Welcome back to another episode of Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest news on New Mexico United. I'm your host this week, Seth Abedoff. We've got a lot to get to, as always, on this week's show. This is, of course, episode number 10 of our show. And this week, we're going to take a look back at what I'm dubbing the Clash in the Desert. And we're going to preview Saturday's match in our home away from home, Colorado Springs. Before we get into our weekly discussion, however, I do want to remind everyone first about our written content. Jacob and I do uh, cover New Mexico United over at our website, dadventuresmedia.com, where we cover not only New Mexico United. We also do a blog about our lives as dads, which admittedly we have not done anything with lately. Uh, we will get back on that. I promise you guys we are going to you know, keep having stuff come out. And I also do video game news and reviews. Again, something that's fallen way off way off track but that is out there go check it out give it a read we're gonna have more stuff coming out um soon i don't have a different timeline but we do have more stuff coming and of course you guys know we are doing this now we are streaming live on twitch um we are going to attempt to do this each and every week right here on twitch.tv and you can be a part of the show if you're listening to us now in your podcast you can come over to twitch.tv forward slash i last up a we will put that link in the chat we'll also put it up on social and in uh reddit and different places to get that out there so you guys can come and join our show you can interact with us real time, both Jacob and myself. You can leave us questions, comments, and be a part of the show. You know, it's almost the news. You know, we are united. That's what that's what we are. We want you guys to be a part of the show. So please come by, check us out. Again, the idea, the plan is to go live every Tuesday night at 930. Um, if not, we'll probably do it like a Wednesday night. But the plan is Tuesday nights, 930 and live right here on Twitch. You guys get the latest episodes of the Suncast. All right. So, Jacob. That's that's all the housekeeping we've got. Let's get right into it. I mean, we've got a, we're going to have so much to discuss tonight. There's a lot to break down from Saturday night's match over in Tempe. I know it did not go the way that we wanted, but before we get into our match recap, we do have two small bits of news. First and foremost, congratulations, of course, to Devin Sandoval, who did get the fan vote for the goal of the month. We were talking about this before we started. Honestly, like I'm super happy for Dev. I'm, anytime the United brings home some sort of reward, I, I get super excited about it. But from from the talk honestly, on Facebook, like, I thought this um, was better. You are not in the minority. I may, you maybe are I'm in the, the overwhelming here, majority. I, uh, so I, I don't thought. really know how Dev pulled it out. Um, I know that at one point I posted on the New Mexico United Facebook page uh, or New Mexico United Nation Facebook group um, posted a screenshot of the. Uh, percentages and it was Devin by I think it was like 70 some percent Sully had 16 or 17 percent and then some other people had minuscule amounts and I posted it and said guys we got to vote for Sully here that that was a goal of the year uh, candidate by far um, and just an absolute otherworldly shot and people responded and said when I voted it said that Sully was ahead like 96 percent to like two uh, for Devin and then one for a few other people. So I was like, well, that's weird. This uh, showed screenshots of it, everything. So the consensus in Facebook land anyways, is that USL's voting got screwed up somehow. Um, but we may never know. So I, Devin. Yeah. Yeah. But Devin did say that he was going to give it to Slee because well, he knows it would be the first time uh, that was remember they did that did was, happen last uh, year was definitely better. So um, it won't be officially his Muhammad's, but in in spirit it will be. 
No, good on Dev. I mean, Dev's always been like, Dev is, you know, Dev's one of those team leader guys. You know, he's always looking out for the other players, picking them up. And, you know, that just goes to show just the character that he's got. Um, not that I don't, I don't think we expected anything less from Dev, you know, by, by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, again, congrats to Dev. I mean, it's a huge honor to be voted, you know, of course, by the, by mm-hmm. the community, by the fans. Um, I mean, they're both great goals. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I mean, Sully's was just yeah, like he said, that's a goal of the year contender. So, see, I'm I'm you know, I, I'm concerned about that because we'll I'm that not back, sure. Um, here in about twelve weeks, it seemed like last year, year they just so. took the goal of the months um, and the put one. them up against each other for goal of the year. So, if that's the case, since Muhammad didn't win goal of the month, I don't know if we'll see his even in the running. Maybe. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't know. Maybe we uh maybe we need to start a petition. The we'll go, we'll go petition USL over on Twitter or something. Not yet. You know, Nicholas Murray and say like, hey, this has got to be included in goal of the year discussion. Because I mean, honestly, at this point, I don't see anything else beating that. So. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of soccer out there that that um that that's been broadcasting. Oh. No, that, that reminds me. Uh, talking, to, speaking of soccer broadcasts, um, I don't know if you saw the, the tweet from Jeff from uh, Jeff Reuter today. USL nice. Championship viewership is up. I think it's like eighty eight percent, eighty percent. I mean, it did. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily yeah. surprise me, just because. Um, I'll like pull I was, that up real quick. I just started and, uh, a new job yesterday, and I was talking. It was just to absolutely incredible. My new coworkers about how you know when sports was shut down for three months. I was watching competitive tag and all these weird things, putt, putt, marble racing. Uh, Marble racing was huge. So I was watching all of this because I had nothing else to watch. And now, yes, there is stuff back, but it's not. It it still didn't have the normal feel. Uh, Plus, at this point, if you're a diehard sports fan like um, I am for sure. Any sport that comes back, you're watching like I'm watching everything of course i watched everything before a little bit but if you were just a casual sports fan and you just watched you know a little bit of mls here and a little bit of premier league there and a little bit of this there and this there and now you didn't have sports for three months you're trying to get as much in as you can so um so that's good that's good though it's helped that uh we've had some more nationally broadcast games um for sure and uh most places uh, I see we're we that we do have some news about uh, this coming weekend's match where it's going to be broadcast on KOAT. Um, so if you're in New Mexico, you can watch it for free without having to have a subscription to ESPN Plus, basically. Um, and most markets do that. So I imagine, especially with us getting getting deals like that to do, if we can do that for most matches at least, you know that'll help with USL ratings too, just because you'll have people that don't have ESPN plus, but are New Mexico United fans, they'll be able to watch then on KOT now. And, and they were, those people weren't being counted because they weren't watching it on ESPN plus. So that's, that'll be great. You know, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that there hasn't been a more local television deal signed. You see other clubs that have that, like Phoenix Rising has CW61 or whatever their CW channels that broadcast all their matches. I don't understand why we don't have one here like that yet. I mean, KOAT's picked up a couple here and there, um, but for the for the most part, 
we're stuck basically just either listening to 1017 the team or looking at ESPN plus or finding a bar in town, which we can't do right now. But yeah, it's, I think it'll come. I, I think we, I think a local television deal would we, be a huge benefit to you. Sometimes I need to. I can't um, speak for you, I but sometimes I have to like take a step back that. and be like, "This is only our second year of existence, and most of our second year was during COVID times when you know everything was insane. So, you know, maybe if the season had played out normally by now, we would have a local deal. Um, but since COVID happened, you know, this season's it's happening and it's it's there it's it counts uh but it's not i i'm not expecting what would have come out of a normal season to come out of this season as far as new sponsorships and new broadcast deals and this and that and the other but just because those take time um and meetings and everything like that and stuff that we we can do but we have to do like we're doing now over the internet and sometimes that doesn't work out as well so i i think it'll come uh, it, we just got to be more patient with COVID and, and just being a second year club in general, you know, Phoenix, Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken, is in their fourth or fifth year, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it, it takes some time and I think we'll get there. We've got a great broadcast team going this weekend with, uh, Tyler Otego mm-hmm. and Chris Hurst. Yeah. So, um, I, I it, for English speaking anyways, you can't really beat that as far as I'm concerned. Um, so if they can figure out something with them and something with the channel that can do it. Like KOAT has too much stuff going on. I imagine they, with, with it being ABC, they've got to do all their stuff. So I could see it coming with a, like Phoenix does on the CW or um, my TV, I think is what it's called now. I, I remember them as channel 19 and channel 50 uh, back when I was younger and would watch stuff on them. So I imagine one of those could pick it up because they've mm-hmm. shown nothing, but, um, reruns basically on Saturdays from what I understand. So hopefully, hopefully it happens. Yeah. Like you said, it probably will here at some point, you know, and probably, and like you said, probably the, uh, the COVID thing did have an impact on it. We had heard beforehand that there was a TV deal in the works, um, but yeah, you know, could have been affected by any number of things. Uh, going back to the to the Twitter comment that I that was mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, Jeff Ruder tweeted out last week the USL informed club leadership of an eight times increase in nice. unique viewership on ESPN Plus thus far during its return to play, including a fifty percent increase in minutes watched per viewer. So yeah, compared to twenty nineteen, I mean, just imagine like imagine you had a million unique viewers last year. Mm-hmm. That means you had eight million over uh, eight million unique yep. viewers watching your watching your product this season so far, and they're watching twice as long. Basically, I mean, um, well, almost twice as long. I should say that's impressive. I mean, think and yeah, think too about all the content that ESPN Plus has out there. Now, I made the comment over on the USL subreddit earlier, and I said, well. Yeah, think about it this way too. Now that all the international domestic leagues are winding down, I mean, Bundesliga's done, Premier League's done, La Liga's done, you know, Champions League is finishing up, Europa League's finishing up. Well, MLS probably be one of, if not the only soccer league playing on ESPN Plus. 
No, they actually started their season tonight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they'll also be there. They're now continuing um, the regular for, uh, season. Not too much longer. I mean, um, I think the final just Dallas just happened, and Nashville, right? so, the two teams that did not play in the okay. MLS's back tournament, actually played tonight, and I believe that started the second half, quote unquote, of uh, of the regular season. And they're gonna. I think they're playing. Oh, I, I saw it the other day, and I don't remember. I think it's like 18 matches per team, 16 or 18 matches per team. Um, and then they'll have their normal playoffs and MLS Cup after that, um, assuming COVID stays calm. Yeah, it's you know, COVID can have have an impact on on soccer. I mean, yeah, Las Vegas Lights have now uh, postponed two matches um, this Saturday, and um, let's see. Yeah, so yeah, uh, tonight's match basically tonight's match for uh, Las Vegas was was uh, postponed. Um, yeah, it's just it just it continues to happen. It's going to continue to happen. You know, I saw another comment saying that oh well, you know, we're just going to keep seeing this over and over again. And they're whoever I don't remember who it was, but I mean, they're not wrong. We're going to keep seeing this. We are. I mean, we don't have a cure for this. Whatever, it's going to keep happening. I think what's going to be interesting though is are we going to run into a situation where we have so many matches postponed? Does it then affect the? At least in the USL terms, does it affect the end of season stuff? Does it affect the postseason? You know, so what happens with that? We've already seen. I think it's um, well. What the is postponed uh, one what I, now. I was listening to the USL show, and they mentioned. So, I mean, does this why not add two weeks to the end of the regular season with nothing scheduled in stone right now, um, just to give teams that are having to postpone um, a little more leeway there. And then the worst case scenario, if you're a team that doesn't get any games postponed, then you finish and then you have two weeks off before the playoffs. Or if you don't make the playoffs, then, you know, your season ends two weeks earlier. Um, And where I don't necessarily like if you make the playoffs having to sit for two weeks, um, just I mean, quick backstory, huge, huge Colorado Rockies fan Um, have been for years. We made an incredible run to the World Series in 2007 uh, where we won 21 out of 22 games over the last part of the regular season. Then we swept the first three rounds of the playoffs. But then we had nine days off, and then we got swept by the Red Sox. So I'm a huge believer in momentum. So if you are a playoff team and you're playing really well um, and you don't have any matches postponed and then you get to the end of the season – and you have to wait two weeks to start playing meaningful playoff games, especially if you're hitting your peak right there at the end, then you're screwed basically um, because you got to wait two weeks and then get back in the swing of things. So I'm not the biggest fan of that, but in this crazy COVID season, um, I could see that being an alternative that would be a better alternative to me than trying to get Las Vegas to squeeze, you know, five, six matches into the last two and a half weeks um, of the regular season, just because that they had some postponed. So that was an idea that they threw out there that I, I couldn't really find a flaw in other than the momentum argument. 
if mm-hmm. if these postponed matches happen to fall to clubs that are basically mathematically eliminated from the playoffs at that point, do you see any reason for them to actually go ahead and reschedule that and play it? So what you're I mean, if it, what if you're saying is no Portland can just go home. Uh, is the, what I'm hearing on the standings um, uh, going into the playoffs. I mean, do they? Is there even yes, but then. How long do exactly. we have to wait yeah, to, to, to judge if a game is going to be meaningful or not? And it would have to be a match where both teams are basically out of it. Because if you're, if even one of the teams is into it, like if it's, if it's Portland versus Reno um, and it gets postponed, sure, per- Portland's out of it. What do they care? But what about Reno? Because they're going to be fighting for a one or two spot, which dictates who they play in the first round of the playoffs, um, and where they play, uh, I believe. So that game is important to them, even if it's not important to Portland. Now, if it's Portland and Las Vegas, uh, sorry to pick on Las Vegas fans, but Las Vegas, um, if they're both out of it in a month, then yeah, I could see just not not taking the risk of playing it. But I have a feeling that most teams, uh, when you look at the groups right now, most teams are, most matches are going to have at least one team that it's important to. Yeah, that's a very real possibility. Um, And I can see where you're coming from. I think it would just come down to, you know, what possible bearing would those matches have? I mean, looking through the standings right now, um, I mean, I'm just glancing through real quick. I mean, Portland's only played five so far. Uh, Los Dos, Orange County have only played four. Las Vegas has only played three matches. Um, yeah, Real has only played four. Uh, Austin Bold's played four. There really hasn't been. It's, yeah, it's, and that's it. For Miami me. That's it for has the, the Western Miami Conference. has had. So I, I, I haven't really heard of too many for the Eastern Conference getting but postponed. But I don't I think those have been COVID yeah. related. They just that was how they were scheduled. Like they just didn't have a lot of matches mm-hmm. to start. They didn't play their first restarted match until like two weeks into the season or two weeks into the restart, three weeks into the restart, something like that. Like they, yeah, they missed a lot of time from the restart. It was so. I don't know what the deal was there. I don't think, like I said, I don't think it was yeah, COVID. Yeah, that's what it looks like July 20th, But it might have yeah. been, and I just missed that announcement, so I'm not sure. But yeah, looking at the standings, um, most teams with this much soccer left are still you know, in viable positions to compete for a playoff spot. So even Las Vegas, they only have one point, but they've only played three matches. So if they get hot... Anything could technically happen. Portland, Portland, I'm pretty sure we can just mark off. We can just say no. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, Timbers, uh, <laughs> zero points from five matches. No. You know, 11 matches left to play. That, uh, that math extrapolation does not bode well for them to try to project out points. Um, yeah, I mean, Las Vegas, one point five, from three. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you figure they've got 13 matches left, one point every three matches, that puts them on a, you know, like everybody points, else in their group. The season. You know, <laughs> if, if Orange County sitting there with eight bad, through four matches, you know, off the top Los of the Dos is sitting on but, nine through four matches. Yeah. And then Phoenix and San Diego are in the two playoff spots right now, and they've got 11 
and 13 points through more matches than LA Galaxy and Orange County. So any match that LA or that Las Vegas Lights is scheduled for, seen as aside from their three out of conference ones, are going to matter no matter what. So they basically, we have to reschedule their matches somehow, some way, some shape or form. Um, and it's, I mean, personally, I also think that if I'm a soccer player and I have a season that's 16 matches, I want to play all 16, especially if you're playing not necessarily Las Vegas, but like a T2, um, you know, the main club wants those guys to get experience. That's why they're with T2. So I think every game should be played. And that's why I think that the two weeks at the end of the season before the playoffs, the playoffs should be moved back two weeks and allow for rescheduled matches during that time. And honestly, even if we don't get any, if New Mexico doesn't get any like postponed because of COVID, I would not mind seeing us push some of those back because when we moved the first Salt Lake City game or the Real Monarchs game back, I think we have like a match every four days for like the whole month of September, it feels like. I'd have to check on that. Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah, looking ahead to September for us, we've got um, El Paso on the... On- on the 5th, Salt Lake on we the 12th. We have a week there at the beginning. Colorado on the 19th. From the 12th RGB on, it's on the 23rd, bam, bam, El Paso bam, bam. 26th, and the oh, no, the on the so 30th. The so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, even even here the next two weeks, we've got four matches in two weeks. So, um, so yeah. And that's, I mean, we expected that when we we're going to be, you yeah. know, with the isotopes, isotopes here. But given the current state, like I don't understand why they couldn't have spaced them out just a little bit more, you know, but um, it is what it is. I mean, they're trying to get the, the matches in before a certain time. And yeah. uh, I think it's also in there that way to try to allow for postponements or reschedules, you know, if if that needs to happen. So because I, mean, I don't want that. these guys playing. So I know, could see them like Colorado in December because uh, baseball is talking play, about doing if that's it. what's necessary. And you know? even though the regular season is played at home venues baseball is talking about doing a bubble just for the playoffs. And I could see USL doing something like that, like having a bubble on the East coast and a bubble on the West coast and then playing the championship somewhere. Um, I could see them maybe switching to that as well for the playoffs. The thing we just, you just don't know what's going to happen. You just don't know what teams are going to, have an outbreak and have to get games postponed. You don't know. You just don't know. So um, I think that the USL, if they're smart, they went into the season restart thinking about flexibility and thinking that they might have to, you know, postpone some stuff here and there. So we'll see. But if they did the bubble in San Diego on the West coast and Florida on the East coast, then you wouldn't have to worry about weather in December uh, if it was to get pushed back that far, you know. And really, Colorado playing in December, they're going to be out of it right away anyways if they do make the playoffs. So it's not like they'll be, they'll be hosting the championship game or something. But yeah, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be hectic, that's for sure. 
That is true, yeah. Yeah, the end of season is always hectic, but this year especially, we're going to see, you know, like I said, we're probably going to see more probably gonna see more postponements. Uh, hopefully we don't see any cancellations. Hopefully the season is able to finish uh, without major hiccups to it, um, at least nothing more major than what we've seen already. So, And that's going to bring us into our, our last little bit of news. Um, guys, if you, you may or may not have heard of the Somos Unidos Foundation and New Mexico United and – New Mexico United's diversity fellowship program. Um, we got an email from the club earlier today um, that says that the Somos Unidos Foundation is now accepting applications for their diversity fellowship program. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, uh, what United is doing through the Somos Unidos Foundation is they're trying to uh, create a brand new pathway for women and people of color to break into the professional soccer industry. Um so what this allows you to do, you apply for it, and if you get selected, you get to basically do, work with the club for like six months, basically. Um, and so what they're what they're it's a six month program. Candidates get to work directly with either the coaching staff or front office, learning the ins and outs of, of a professional soccer team. At the conclusion of the fellowship, each candidate will then receive scholarships to continue their education or subsidize their U.S. soccer coaching licenses. Uh, that part I didn't know about. That's really interesting. Um, if they're gonna, you know, if the club's gonna help pay for their coaching licenses, that, that's really interesting. Um, I knew they were trying to bring diversity into it, but I didn't know that that that, that was part of it. Um, and so what they're asking for is if you are, in, of course, interested in this, there are two different applications you can fill out. Um, one is for the coaching track. One is for front office. Uh, you must be a person of color and or female. You must be at least 21 years of age. You have to be from New Mexico or have called New Mexico home. You have to have a passion for and knowledge of New Mexico United, soccer, the USL, and the sports industry. Be a practicing coach with minimum three years demonstrated coaching or technical experience or high-level playing experience for the free course. That's if you're going for the coaching track. And then you need to be able to commit hours to scheduled one-on-one -on -one learning throughout the week, which includes attendance at a number of practices and game days over a six-month period. So, I mean, we, we've heard about this. We knew we knew that they've been talking about it a lot. They've been doing uh, a huge thing on Twitter, you know, spotlighting different women in and around the club, which I think is fantastic. Um, so if you're interested in this diversity fellowship program, go check it out. I believe there's a link on yeah, and it's just, it's the just another United's reason Twitter why, account. Uh, um, to go why the community loves New Mexico United. It's um, it's a soccer club, but it's not all about the soccer. It's about the community and and trying to better it and trying to give people from here more opportunities and and um, I mean it's hard not to look at it and get excited about it and and think that uh, we are united. You know, so mostly, you know, that's that's what I think about when I hear it and and uh, it's gonna just continue to better this club um and this organization and, and this community which is what they've wanted all along so um it, i don't you basically laid it out there pretty well and and it just it's just awesome it's just it, the whole the whole thing and everything the club does basically is is uh top notch
Yeah, we've heard from a lot of folks uh, around the league, and you know, people have reacted to it across social media about how excited they are for this program, and how excited they are. The club is there's a club doing something like this because it's not something that you hear of every day. Um, you know, when I first moved out here, people, you know, obviously the state motto is a land of enchantment. You know, when I got here, people referred to it as a land of entrapment. Um, and so, you know, it definitely feels like, you know, the, the club wants to help the community in any way that it possibly can. And for them to do this and help try to provide people with a way up, a way out, a way to better themselves and even get, especially you know, by getting more involved within soccer is just absolutely tremendous for them to do. All right, so I think that's going to do it for our for the news that we had this week. I couldn't find anything else to throw into the show this week. So, unfortunately, we got to get down to the nitty-gritty of the show, our, week, our recap of last week's match. Um, guys, I mean, I'm sure, surely by this point each of us have watched the match. Uh, everyone knows that United did lose to Phoenix Rising FC by a final of 5-2. to two. Um Definitely not the outcome that we were expecting, not what we predicted here on the show. Jacob, you and I both had this down as a 3-2 win for United. We knew there were going to be goals scored. We knew there was going to be you know some high-flying, uh, pacey attacks going, but we definitely did not see it going this way. Um, Ginger Flemings, of course, did get a hat trick for Phoenix Rising uh, en route to that win. United did actually... United came out flying. We got the first goal, and then we saw them surrender three unanswered before we got something back. And it just, it just didn't go the way that we wanted it to, the way we needed it to. Uh, disappointing to say the least. Uh, United is still a top group C, still sitting on ten points. Um, and Phoenix went to the top of their group as well, now sitting on thirteen points. Uh, I mean, Jacob, we knew that Phoenix was a good club. We knew that they were. We knew that they were a little soft at the back. They were going to give up a couple goals, um, because you know they've had some roster changes. They brought some guys in, and Zach Lubin just he, he's not the same as he was last season, if you ask me. But again, we just neither of us expected this. What do you think was the biggest factor um, in in? And we'll break so, down you know, each of the goals and everything here. I've had some we'll, time. What do you think was the think biggest contributing I, when, factor? Right after the match, I was the loss on Saturday. I was heated. I was um, I was upset at the back line uh, more than anything. Um, I just felt like uh, they just didn't really try um, as hard as they they needed to against a Phoenix team. And they just came out a little flat um, and looked flat at times. Uh, case in point was the third goal, I believe it was. Yes, the third goal that uh, AJ Cochran scored off of a corner kick, where um, they do this weird little thing where they they kick it short, but then they basically take the corner at the same exact angle um, as a corner kick. They just take it from like ten yard, ten feet closer, um, and I don't know if that's what. C- caught our guys off guard or what it was, but um, Asante delivered the ball in and nobody checked AJ at the back post whatsoever. Um, There were like three United guys around him and none of them put a body on him or jumped to try to get in his way. He headed it in without having to jump um, on the back post of a corner kick. Uh, That's really all you need to know. Um, But... 
looking back at it and looking at the other goals and um, and things like that, they were almost all on the break. In fact, their first goal, um, Junior Fleming's first goal, um, they won possession just inside of our half or just, yeah, just inside of their half. And uh, a long ball over the top that Junior Fleming's chased down and Sheed, who I love, um, he was my favorite defender last year. Um, I thought having him back was going to be a huge, huge boost for this match. Uh, but he just didn't look the same. Um, he just, he was, he didn't look a hundred percent out there. And I think that play where they scored their first goal was basically, uh, it epitomized what, what the problem was. And he just was too slow getting back. Um, he got back right about the same time as junior did, but, Junior won the ball and cut it back and turned Tete around and had a wide open shot that he put past Cody. And um, that was that. And you basically saw that the rest of the game. Um, Tete being a step too slow. Um, And then when we put Sam um, Hamilton in for Tete at half, uh, he looked a step too slow. So it, I don't know. I, Personally, um, I trust Coach Troy and and what he does over there. I don't know why you come off two of the most dominant games that I've seen uh, this year for sure and most of last year, and you change formations and you change your personnel um, when Sheed wasn't 100% healthy. Uh, He... Even if he says he's 100% healthy, um, after that first goal, uh, to me, he just didn't look right. Um, and he didn't look right before that, really. And so, it, it, to me, it, a change should have been made sooner or it shouldn't have been changed from the last match at all. So, originally, I thought the back line, uh, but I'm, I'm putting this one a little bit more on Troy than, uh, than the personnel, um, which... I'm sure some people won't agree because I know a lot of people were complaining about the back line on uh, Facebook and stuff during the match. But but I, I felt like Troy made some changes that were unwarranted in tactics and formation and stuff like that and personnel. So I think that was the case. And I think that uh, maybe in hindsight, if we go back and we play the 4-2-3-1 like we have been and things might be different. I don't know. Yeah. You talk about the personnel changes and we've all been anxiously waiting rush to come back. We, we all have, you know, we, we know how big of an, how big of a part of the defense he was last season. And we expected the same, same this year. Now last week against Oklahoma, we basically played basically like a three, four, two, one, essentially is it's kind of what we played last weekend and it worked pretty well. We saw Josh playing up on the wing, basically almost a left wing, left mid this time. Troy just stuck him out. There's a left mid. And while Josh can play there, I think using that formation really highlighted the, how thin our back line is. And I think that's where the issue is. Even though we had four at the back, we, we Troy set it up to, to play defensively, but we didn't have the right bodies in there. I think if you move Josh back, you move Hamilton back, you keep those, uh, you keep those guys in there. 
or uh, move a, even move Salih back, you know, um, you've got a better shot at it than you do with uh, with Rosh in there at this point. You know, bring Rosh in at the, at the 70, you know, 65th, yeah, 70th I agree. minute, it, and then I think you're okay. But it's you know, hard for us. I mean, point. I have watched First, soccer, you know, for a year, a little over a year. Um, so I'm not nearly as experienced and nearly as knowledgeable as Troy, but in sports in general, if something's working, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Um, so I don't know it, it, uh, we'll never know, uh, cause we don't get to face Phoenix again this year and we can't go back and play it again, uh, a different way and see what the outcome is. So I've also gotten a lot more positive from the match, um, and felt like, you know, talk about the goals real quick. Uh, the first one, uh, like you said, we scored. We scored in the fifth minute. It was a beautiful ball from Moreno to Parks, who was streaking down the middle of the field. And Zach Lubin had come pretty far off of his line. And whether it's – to me, it, it, it seems like that might have been uh, on the scout team, on the coaching staff, and on Romeo himself maybe – noticing that Zach likes to do that because he does. He does it quite a bit. And he caught him coming up, and instead of trying to bring that ball down and do something with it, he just headed it over Lubin's head and into the net. And it was a beautiful goal. It was, a, it was incredible. Um, talk about, uh, Another week where two players opened their account with New Mexico United uh, with Romeo scoring his first and then uh, later Andrew Tenari joining him. Um, so the new guys are producing, um, and I thought the offense looked pretty good most of the match. Um, so this one really just fell on the defense, but then, like I said, uh, Fleming's with the ball over the top to, to put them ahead or to tie it. And then Asante put in a cross, it got blocked, put in another cross, uh, and Rafat Dadashaw or something like that. I, I had it pronounced I was practicing pronouncing it earlier and I think I just butchered it, but uh, he got a toe on it and put it in the back of the net. But I tell you, it's hard to tell with these angles, with these cameras, but I'm pretty sure he was offside. Yeah. I said the same thing the other night. Um, it was, I think it was the, uh, the data shop goal. Um, looking at that, uh, you know, even in my, uh, in my recap for, for one one seven, the team, I said, you know, from the angle that was available, it looked like he was offside. It, now I know some clubs do better at it than yeah. others. I mean, El Paso had, I, had all kinds I, of angles that Phoenix had your, basic, I took a long, you know, hard look at like it. One even side with the or, you know, above have, the pitch. And, and he's yeah. basically on top of the six yard box, uh, when that ball is delivered and, no New Mexico United defender that I can see in the frame um, was close to that six-yard line. So um, the only thing about it is I know that last year uh, there was a game against El Paso where Ryan Williams got loose right in front of the goalie um, and everybody was screaming offside because from what you could see in the frame, he was two steps past everybody else. Um but what you couldn't see in the frame was that there was a defender that had chased a New Mexico United player into the corner and slipped and couldn't get back to keep the line where it should have been. And he's the one that kept Ryan on side. So, um, 
don't know for sure, but he definitely seemed offside from what we could see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm replaying the clip over and over again right now over on my laptop, and he definitely looks offside on that. I mean, the the linesman is not in line with the with the run of play. I mean, maybe. Um, uh, I'm trying to see who who was on our far who was on that far side for us. Um, maybe looks like it might have been Salee sliding back, but um, like maybe Salee played him on. But yeah, just yeah, maybe. But looking at it, like you can see that he he clearly, yeah, I, he he looks like mm-hmm. two yards offside, easy. I mean, he's he's already he's well behind. Um, no. Rosh, but that made it two one. Kalen, um, when that ball is delivered, and we went into so, halftime yeah, two one. I don't, I don't see how he was on side. Come back. I talked about the third goal where AJ Cochran was able to head the ball in without even jumping. Um, three one. You're not feeling great. There's a lot of time left. You never know. Our offense has been clicking, um, and sure enough, uh, a little while later, you know, we get a corner. Uh, the ball bounces around like a pinball. And uh, Andrew Tenari opens his account with another beautiful goal, a little back heel right in front of the keeper um, that sneaks past him and into the to the near post for for Tenari. And you know, at that point, you're like, "Wait, okay, we're only down by one. There's plenty of time. We have a chance. Um, you know, let's do this." And then Junior Flemings happens, and uh, he had an incredible game. I don't know what to tell you. Um, to be honest, part of me thinks that no matter who was back there in the back line, um, he was going to shred him because he was just on top of his stuff. Um, he makes a four, two, um, and then Santi Moar comes in, gets an assist to junior Flemings again, makes a five, two. Um, and that was, that was how it finished. Uh, did you think that there was a particular player for us that stood out in a negative way or a positive way? Um, um, honestly, I think I think like you said, it comes down to comes down to the back line. Uh, I'm watching these highlights again as we're, as we're talking here and you know, the, the data shop goal, he just, number one, like, like we just said, we, we think he's both think he was clearly off sides. Uh, either way, he was not marked. Like there's nobody near him. Uh, the Cochran goal again, just nobody challenging him. The honestly, the, the, the second goal for Flemings, I have no idea how he got, how that ball got to him. Um, I honestly thought, um, that we, we're going to intercept that when they, when they tried to cross that in there. Uh, I'm trying to see who well, it was. The, that, he, I think it was like, that's the problem. Uh, you should know. Ryan, okay. It actually. was Kaylin. Yeah. I remember. Cause that was, I think it was Ryan who was back there defending at that point. Um, I couldn't think ball, of what, or no, it was Kaylin. How that I, I couldn't yeah. picture that goal in my head a minute ago. I know that's Ryan, the one where they, he put in, somebody put in a cross um, that just barely beat. It, it was Sam. That's who it was. It was Sam. Cause he fell down. I remember it now. He he was standing right in front of Junior yeah. and got caught flat-footed and yeah. the ball got behind him. Now, it was a yeah. perfect ball. It really was. Like it was just past Sam, just to where Junior could get a piece of it. But um 
he didn't look comfortable there. So whether yeah. it was him being flat footed or what it is, he just, I, I feel like if our def- our back line was Salil right in and the two right or the right and left back, that ball doesn't happen um, in some way, shape or form. So I definitely the back line, uh, Sam and Rashid both had pretty bad matches. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It looks like Sam. I don't know. He just uh, didn't look. Uh, I'm looking at it. Yeah. He wasn't necessarily flat footed. He was trying to backpedal and then change direction. And then he just kind of like lost his balance. So yeah. But I mean, it was, it was, yeah. Yeah. It was just an unbelievable there was cross. I, I really nobody. didn't expect that to get through. And then, yeah, the, the, the one that finished off the hat trick, I mean, Flemings was just all by himself. Like we were, yeah, we were out of position. Kalen, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that Caitlin was out of position, but he definitely was farther right than we probably would have normally seen him. And then whoever was playing Should left back at that point, um, I want to say it was uh, trying to think who was in at that well, point because I don't think Josh he made was the subs. He was. I think it might have been Austin. He was all over the place. So I don't know. But no, because Josh he, Josh was he, playing left mid. Definitely the back line. The whole back line can get a. Uh, can get called out for it. Was there anybody positive though? Um, you know, I, I really like the play from Rome, from uh from Romeo. He definitely played really well. He's been he's been playing really well. You know, I'm glad to see him finally get get that first goal. Uh, you know, he was creating space. Um, he was doing a lot up top for us. Um, I mean, really there weren't a lot of positive standouts, unfortunately. Normally that you know, we can pick out a couple of different folks for things that they did well. Um, I, and that's not to say anyone, I've got a name, anyone um, outside the back line. Who has, who we mentioned him bad, last week after the Oklahoma city game. Wasn't enough. Um, um, and he opened his account this week and that's Andrew Tanari. Okay. Uh, not just because of the goal, but he was just everywhere. Like he had, he, he took the ball away from several Phoenix players, uh, when we were high pressing a little bit and he, he didn't really make a mistake uh, that I saw. I I watched um, after about 15, 20 minutes of the match. I just found myself watching him, not even really watching the ball uh, most of the time. And he just he continues to impress me. He's we talked about it last year or last week. He's five foot nothing. Um, smallest guy out there. Him and Kevon Lambert got into it. And Kevon's like six, six or something like that. And it looked like a child trying to fight an adult. Um, and I love his heart and his, his grit. And, uh, he just, he just plays his butt off. And, um, it's easy to see why he has been in every match and started every match basically since the restart and why I think he will continue to be a starter there for the rest of the season. Um, unless he gets hurt or something like that. Yeah, Andrew Tanara's stat line for Saturday night, uh, 90% passing accuracy. Uh, let's see, six duels, one. He had one goal, one shot on target, one I had off. Forgot. I forgot Two about that block shot. Created. That block shot uh, three was early in the game. Shot. 
where uh, Junior Fleming, of course, one foul. Uh, so puts some moves maybe- on our back line and had a wide open look. And Tenari came out of nowhere to slide and block it and put it out for a corner. I'd forgot all about that. In fact, it was the New Mexico United save of the week. Um, and and yeah, he like I said, he's just everywhere. He just does everything. Yeah, he's definitely been a, a tremendous signing for the club this season. It would have been interesting to see what happened in a, in a full season with him out there. Um, but yeah, he, he's definitely impressing, and you can see the reaction to his play, you know, across social media. Uh, whenever he does get out there, um, he, he's definitely exciting to watch. Um, he's he reminds me a lot of like uh, Muggsy Bogues, you know, five, like I said, five nothing. But he he'll go out there, he'll scrap with the big guys. You know, he can put the, he can make plays with the ball. He's got tremendous vision. Uh, and it, he just he have he found just, himself in the right place just, at the right time. And honestly, looking back at you that, spoke that directly back heel, to like, my soul. He got right a lot. Muggsy Bogues, some significant amount of power on that back heel. So favorite player um, growing up. There was no um, chance of that getting stopped when I was young um, until he retired. <laughs> and um, yeah, that I hadn't made that comparison in my head, but now every time I see Tanari, I'm going to think of Bogues, and he might be my new favorite player. Uh, he might be. I th- I think he might be. He's definitely. I think the off-season signing or off-season signee that has made the biggest effect um biggest impact on the team um right in in the back line obviously um has has done a lot um but i think after this match especially when you look at how the back line performed um part of that's on Ryden uh because he's part of the back line even if it wasn't all on him and his uh for her is partner there on in the center back position uh was definitely one we pointed out as having a really off off night uh you know i i think tenari is the signing of the season so far um and that's saying a lot because you know amando romeo and ryden have all played really well and um you know joris has scored and looked good in his limited time and everything like that but i think you got to give it to tenari if you're looking at the signing so far and how they've performed Yeah, at this point, I can't disagree with you. Um, it'll be interesting to see if you know at the end of the season yeah, we get like a fan vote or something about who who the biggest impact player was. We think maybe it's something that we can do even just you know, within our audience. But uh, so if you guys are yeah, out there I listening, mean, Andrew has um, definitely played. Let us know what line. you think. Let us know really who the well. signing I mean, uh, of the season so far for, is because uh, anything at all. So I you can make a case for a lot of people, but to me, Andrew is is hands down the one for me. So if you guys disagree or agree, just let us know. Um, well, you guys can get a hold of us in money, different ways that we'll talk about here at the end of the show. There was one name you mentioned a little while ago that I wanted to bring up and that is Santi Moore. So we talked about Santi last week and we're not going to, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but we talked about how much playtime he was going to get. Like, I think if I remember correctly, you thought he was going to start. Um, I thought he was going to come in as a sub. Um, he did. He came in as a sub 69th minute. Um, basically, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Andrew Amando was. or, or Amando, whoever you want to, however you want to classify, classify them basically were, was Santi's replacement. 
Um, probably, probably Amando more so than than Andrew. And I'll I'm pulling up, looking at the stats right here. I'll I'll, uh, I'll pull up Amando's beside him, but Santi well, Moore, he was um, in there for twenty minutes, and we were already assist, down four to two. Uh, so I don't not think have they were run. really trying to push anything if you think about and, it. or anything was, like that. So, and he's not a defensive player by any means. Um, yeah. That used to infuriate me last year because he just did not do anything on defense. So we were they were on defense most of the time well, no, except no. for some counterattacks and the one counterattack he the main counterattack that he was out there for he executed it perfectly and um put a perfect ball to junior who yes he was unmarked but still put a perfect ball in for him and got the assist and and looked good doing it but other than that like go over i'm sure the stats are basically zeros everywhere except for the assist aren't they Yeah, for for Sonny, yeah, he had one assist, one chance created, uh, nothing defensively, made no sort of impact there at all. He really only—I mean, let's see if I can pull up how many touches he had, but he had a grand total of seven passes. So his touch total is probably like ten to fourteen, you know, if you count if you count dribbles and stuff in that, you know. So really, Santi's impact, Santi's, you know. Um, the, the, his level of play on the pitch was not great. I mean, he only c- completed 57% of his passes. Um, he won two duels. And, I mean, outside, he really didn't do anything. Like, I really wasn't impressed with his level of play. Now, looking at Amando, you know, talking about, you know, it was, it was probably the more like-for-like, like, you know, a replacement for him. I mean, Amando had nearly, uh, had just over 78% uh, passing completion he had um i don't know 23 total passes according to uslchampionship.com won eight duels i believe he also created yeah uh let's see two chances created one assist um one shot on target and yeah, now i mean yes he did have he did play the full match but i mean in terms of He's also contributing on the defensive side as well. I mean, he, he won two fouls, uh, two tackles, a block shot. It's too hard to tell. Is right a now, Mondo um, a suitable? If you for look Santi? at the way they started their careers with New Mexico United, uh, no, uh, because Santi started off on freaking fire for two months last year, and um, I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap uh, for how he ended the season last year, and I believe we talked about that last week. Um, but at the moment, I think skill-wise, Amondo is right there. Um, in in potential, I think he might even have a little bit higher potential than Santi. Um, but in flat-out production and execution, right now, no. He he's looked better lately, but he he has a long way to go to get to Santi levels from last year. Uh, I believe he could. Um, but he's got a long way to go to get there. I do have a question for you, though. Um, me and Earl were texting earlier um, about how Santi hasn't had the greatest start with Phoenix. Um, now, assuming Santi signed a one-year deal with Phoenix um, and he doesn't drastically get better um, with them and Phoenix falters again and doesn't win a title or if they win a title, whatever, if Santi 
were by chance to come back to New Mexico United next year, how would you feel? That's a tough one, to be completely honest. I, I, that is tough. Like, because Santi was such an integral part of our of our inaugural season, I think him coming back would be would strike a lot of people as sentimental. And while he no, is a talented year player, was the same as we hands, he which is, I know I think in he's twenty seven now. Uh, rookie year is twenty seven now. We'll, uh, we'll pull it up while we're talking. Drastically different, um, but I, I think he's only twenty four or twenty five. Um, twenty six. Okay. Yeah. Santi yeah, right. is 26. Yeah, he is, Santi is 26. I know he is much young compared to guys like me. Um, <laughs> um, and Amando is 24. So not a lot of difference in age. I think Santi has had better opportunities in his career. I think going to Phoenix is his mm-hmm. attempt to either A, secure a USL championship, or B, get noticed on a bigger stage or with a bigger, quote-unquote, bigger USL club to make that move to an upper division somewhere else. So I think you're going to have one of two reactions. You may even get both. I think if he does come back, you're going to see some people upset about the fact that he went chasing a championship. He went chasing that bigger payday with a different club. Whereas if he had stayed with us, Think of you know the progression they made in season in the first season, and going into season two, how much more progression they could have made, and I think that's I think Santi could have shown a lot more growth had he stayed here. That being said, again, I think if he does come back, you're going to have folks that are going to have that sentimental you know welcome back Santi, we love you, we're glad you're back. Um, and don't get me wrong, like I said, he's he's a talented, talented player, and I think he would make um, make an impact if he did. But at this point, I feel like he's moved on, and it's time for United to do the same. That's not to say don't appreciate what he did. That's not to say, you know that that he, you know, that we don't that we're not proud of the things that he did in this first season or in our first season. But you know, he was he absolutely was a fan favorite. I I was upset really killed Um, a lot of folks because it was a rival to see him go the way um, he did. I, I thought he had bought into the culture here and he had bought into the, um, I know he bought into the community when he was here, but I thought he wanted to continue to better the community here. Um, so I was upset about that. Um, I also think that he might've come back had the club kept Tony Soler, um, the other Spaniard from last year. Um, I've talked to Tony uh, several times since last year ended and um, he didn't say it. He didn't really hint it at all. Uh, I just got a vibe uh, that, you know, he because I talked to him right after Santi announced the signing with Phoenix. And I was like, what do you know? What What's going on? And and uh, I think that could be part of it was, you know, the Spaniard that was friends with Santi all year. He's the one that Santi and Suggs or not Santi and Suggs, Santi and Schmidt did the trip to Hamas springs with it with each other and they were they were always together and they did the white sands trip and everything like that and they were really close and when they tony kind of got jobbed on uh playing time and left i think that affected 
uh, Santi's decision a little bit. That being said, if he were to come back next year, I would welcome with open arms. I'd be happy about it. I would uh, feel good in my soul for it. Um, but I also, if Amondo does stay and Brucey stays, if we basically have the same club minus, um, I don't know, Estrada, I don't think Estrada will leave, but minus Estrada and you add Santi and give us more depth, um, I don't think that would guarantee Santi starts and Santi gets as much playing time as he did last year. Um, he would have to work for it. He would have to compete. Um, I think that that's part of why he left in the first place was to go to Phoenix and to have to compete with the likes of Junior Flemings and Solomon Asante and um, Dadashov of top. And, you know, they have, they just have a ton of firepower over there. And I, I can almost guarantee that I don't know what the money was, of course, because USL doesn't disclose that information, which is super annoying as a guy who loves to look at um, contracts and stuff like that in all the other major sports and and see what kind of value you're getting from t- people and stuff like that. And you can't do that in the USL. But regardless of that, I, I can almost guarantee you that he left to try to get noticed because Phoenix... Last year alone, Phoenix put three players in the MLS. Um, Phoenix had has had major people come and play for them. Um, one thing I want to ask, aside from we were talking about uh, different opponents or opponent opposite players from the opposite team, um, how did you feel about Asante in this game? Hmm. You know, honestly, I I don't feel like he has bi- he had as big of an impact um, as we typically see out of him. I feel like he did. Of course, he did put in the the fantastic cross to to Cochran there, but he basically was a non entity. Um, he did. From, I got the same from sense, what I remember um, watching of the match, and it's crazy really that we're saying that. And he still produced two assists, as involved um, as he was last. Which, season. granted, one of them we thought Dadashaw was offsides, but. He still produced two assists, but outside of that, yeah, he just was kind of non-existent, and um, we we didn't see him draw a penalty, which is nice. Uh, we definitely saw him flop and complain and whine and argue and make faces and all this stuff that we've come to know as well. And and I gotta say, when you're not getting production, not production because he got two assists, but when when you're not making as big of an impact from start to finish and we see you with the two crosses that get assists, but then every other time I see you, you're rolling on the ground or in the ref's face. I can't stand him still. Um, and it's kind of annoying that, you know, he was the MVP last year. He's put up otherworldly stats his whole time there. Basically. Why is he not at a higher level? Is it just cause he's like Andrew Tenari minus an inch? Um, because I don't understand it. I think he's probably older now. Um, yeah, I don't which know. could I'm be part of it. But to, uh, some information on, on when on you're that good either, at but, this level, um, how do you not go up to the next level? How do you not even like get a look at the next level? I just, I something is. I, I question that a little bit there, and I I wonder why 
he doesn't have more eyes on him than from outside the USL. Well, I think part of it is because of the base he essentially has guaranteed playing time in Phoenix is what it seems like to me. He's probably making pretty good money. He's got a pretty much a guaranteed spot. I mean, he's, he's 29 years old. He'll be 30 here in, a, in about a month. Um, yeah, I think he, I mean, he's at the point now where, you know, most major, you know, strikers or forwards are hitting their prime or are on the, or on the downhill side of their, of, of their peak, you know? Um, I just, I, I, yeah, that could be, that could be the very, that could be a combination of those things, you know, uh, age and then just the guarantee playing time basically. And whatever money he's making, um, I think he's, I think he's probably just happy where he is looking at the stats from Saturday night. He it says he, that he had, uh, five chances created. Like, honestly, I don't remember five. I remember, you know, the two and then, you know, listening of course to the, to the call, it was, you know, the Phoenix guys, and I really don't recall them like saying his name as much, you know, and I, and I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's, there's stuff. He's done some interviews here lately. Like he's hoping for a return of the black stars, which I'm, which I think is the, uh, national team. Yeah. The Ghana na- national team. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think he's just happy like where he is. Like, I mean, if he can continue to produce the way he is in Phoenix, why go somewhere else? Why try to go to MLS where he's, you know, not going to be like a guaranteed starter, where he's going to have to compete for those jobs and where the competition is five foot two, arguably My harder, God. you know, and for a guy of his stature, I mean, he's five foot two, according to his Wikipedia page. So, I mean, five, two. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it, that's what it says. So, um, yeah, so I, honestly, like, I think all of that ties into it. Um, Not to pick yeah, on the why guy, go but that just sounds like where, the senior you know, that where you have to got face held back for two years when and is just picking on everybody else and then doesn't want to go to college for some reason. I just, I don't, to me, I don't care how, I mean, yes, 29, 30 is, is getting up there a little bit in soccer age, in professional sports age, but I don't, I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to try to better yourself, uh, and and compete with, with at a higher level when you're that good. But, um, maybe that's just my mentality and it's, it's, uh, it's different for him. I, I, cause I, I understand everything that you're saying and I get it. I just know that if I was in that position, which I know that I never will be, uh, don't remind me. Uh, but I just, I would want to try to see how I stack up against MLS or um, even like uh, Freighter going to the Indian Super League or something like that. You know, just I, I'd want to try something else. But I guess if you're happy in Phoenix and uh, living in Phoenix and all that stuff, then then it works for you. But it just seems it seems like to me I would I would want to do something different. But I I also just don't like him. Uh, and the way he plays, uh, even though it is very, very productive. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, yeah, the way he plays is just, uh, it, it's very much like some of the, 
top guys over in Europe uh, who tend to flop around and you know get the calls and and stuff like that. So yeah, it's um, I don't know, it's tough. Like I mean, you know, oh, you definitely you don't want to see guys you know not try, especially if they've got the ability. But at the same time, I can understand why when you're at the top of you know your profession in your in your chosen league. I mean, according to the to transfer market, he's like the fourth rated player in all of the USL. So I mean, yeah, why would you give that up and go be you know go be one of the, you know, nowhere near that in another league? I mean, he'll probably have success. I mean, not with probably not with MLS, but I could see him going somewhere else. Um, most likely due to like the MLS weird rules, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's one of those weird things. I mean, you want to see well, him succeed. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, a tough I can't loss. stand him as a player. Um, um, I can appreciate we knew going ability, into it. That there was a chance that that would happen so. uh, just because Phoenix is a really good team and, and uh, they just, they score goals. That's what they do. So uh, it sucks, but we swallow it. We, we get over it and we move on. Um, and looking ahead, we've got – I just realized this earlier when we were talking about the schedule. All of our remaining matches, aside from uh, Seller, Dweller, RGV, uh, no offense, Ron Patel, but um, you just your team's not playing very well right now. Uh, aside from that match, the rest of our matches are against our group. So we've got four against Monarchs two against El Paso and three against switchbacks. Um, if I'm not mistaken. So we're, we're still very much in a good position here. We're still two points clear of El Paso on the same amount of games, same amount of matches. Um, we are six points clear of real monarchs who has played two less matches. So technically, even if they win their next two, uh, they would just be level with us. They wouldn't be past us. And we're six points clear of Switchbacks, who has one last match. So even if they win their next match, they're still three points behind us. So we're still in the top position. Um, we're still in the driver's seat. We we uh, we play everybody in this group um, basically for the rest of the season. So if we take care of business in the group, it's not going to be a problem. Uh, and that starts this Saturday. Uh, at 3 p.m. Mountain Time against Colorado Springs Switchbacks um, in Colorado Springs. Uh, how do you feel? Are you, Did the Phoenix match rock your confidence? Um, think that we're not going to win the group again? How do you feel about this match coming up? Um, what do you think? You know, honestly, Colorado is not a club to be worried about. And if you're a Colorado Springs Switchbacks fan, you happen to be listening or watching us tonight. I'm sorry. Actually, no, I'm not. I can't be sorry. You guys are you guys are not worth worrying about at this point. Um, Colorado has lost three or four. Uh, the last they lost last weekend to El Paso. Uh, lost week before that to Real. Uh, yeah. They're they're not inspiring. Colorado's not inspiring confidence in in my in me right now. I, I think United has a very good chance. I mean, Colorado, you know, we got Colorado what twice here in the next two weeks. Um, 
And so we got a chance to to really put some distance here. Uh, El Paso, of course, did. You mentioned you know, El Paso is only two points back. Um, they um, I have to go back and watch their match against Colorado Springs just to just to kind of get an idea of what happened. But yeah, I just I don't see Colorado <laughs> as improved as they are. I don't see them putting a challenge to us. I mean, we are still the unofficial owners of Colorado. And I don't see the <laughs> I don't see the switchbacks taking well, back the, that title the only thing that concerns me just a touch soon. is um, so yeah there's nothing honestly there's nothing they are that concerns me the only group in or the only team in our group that uh, we are actually playing what should have been a home game for us over there um, so it's more travel it's not the hardest place to play but they do have fans there uh, I think their season ticket holders at least are there um, so. And it, in any sport, to me, it's it's hard to beat a team three or four times without losing, um, or in soccer drawing. Um, so I would not be surprised if in the next three matches, one of those matches ends up in a loss or a draw. Um, I don't think it'll be this one. I think the team will be hungry uh, coming off of that loss. I think they'll want to perform for, uh, the United fans since it's going to be on, uh, broadcast television. Um, I, I'm not necessarily worried about this particular match, but that doesn't mean that Saturday, the 29th, um, in a couple weeks, you know, we will play them again. And, uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not worried about that one. Um, or, or the last one of the season later. Um, so, so while I agree Colorado's form right now is just not good, um, if you look back at our, back at our last match with them, uh, we did pull out the victory 2-1, to one, but we got the lead and then gave up a goal right before halftime, and then they had one of those offside calls where he he didn't look offside, and they called him offside and got the goal called back, and then we were able to sneak one in. We handed in the 87th. Um, to pull out the victory. So it was closer than, than, um, than we might remember. So I'm not saying my confidence was really shaken, uh, by that Phoenix match. Um, I just think it's hard to beat a team that many times in a season. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to me, uh, to see how that plays out. Maybe not in this match, but in matches to come. Yeah, we've talked about how familiar these clubs are going to become with each other this season. I mean, we've already played everybody, you know, twice last season. We've played them, you know, once already. We got three more matches, and yeah, just compared to any normal year, we're definitely gonna have more familiarity. So the matches may be closer. I just don't think that Colorado has the has the skill level to do it. Uh, you talk about how hard it is to beat a club, you know. And uh, you know, so many times in a row, but I mean, but, that, at, but that's at Atlanta United two times City. a year. Atlanta City still has not beaten Atlanta United um, since their inception. Or, or so, I believe that's how the schedule works in the yeah, MLS for Eastern Conference. So when you're when you're playing yeah, a team no. four times in a three month span, um, that's when I get nervous about it. Um, and again, I we barely beat them last time, and they're a drastically improved team. Uh, they have a real coach this year. And I know that their results right now aren't 
trending in a positive direction, but I, I, I'm just, I, I think we win Saturday, but I think we draw or lose one of the next ones, uh, depending on how we are playing. If, if we fight back here and destroy Colorado Springs and real monarchs a couple times, then maybe I won't be as worried, but just at the moment right now, um, I would not be surprised if that happens. I, I agree that it's probably most likely going to be one of the later two matches if it does happen, but that's purely because of the fact that, you know, when we play that, not, not Saturday, I mean, we've got a full week in between matches this week. When it comes to the eight twenty nine match United, that'll be the, again, the fourth match within 14 days. When we get to the Colorado Springs, uh, the one in, in uh, September, again, that's, that's, they do have a, a week break from the prior 29th. Match. We have a week as so, well. Maybe the twenty match or that's is going to be the best possible. So we have a full for, week for Colorado um, to sne- there. steal one. From so us. we'll see. But I understand what you're saying there with it, it just being it, the whole season is going to the rest of the season is going to be we're going to be tired, uh, especially traveling so much. So at the moment, as it stands right now, that Colorado Springs match on the 29th is scheduled for Colorado Springs and is the last match of our road-heavy first half of the schedule, assuming we can start playing again um, in September over here, uh, which I have my fingers crossed because the numbers are going down for COVID, and hopefully people can calm down about it, and the governor can calm down about it a little bit and and realize that letting them play just a little bit isn't going to be that big of a deal. So I have my fingers crossed, So, but... I could see the 29th, you know, that long, long, long stretch from July through August in the heat of the summer uh, on the road, every every match day in and day out. Um, I could see them being out of gas there and maybe taking it easy uh, to rest up for the home games coming up on the 5th. So it, you never know. You never know. Just like we talked about earlier with the COVID season, you just never know what's going to happen. But just to run down the first little bit of, or the last, the next four matches uh, for United are Switchback Saturday, uh, Real Monarchs next Wednesday, a week from today, um, Real Monarchs again uh, next Saturday, the 22nd, and then Colorado Springs on the 29th. So it's in the next three weeks, 15 days. Um, we're going to know a lot about uh, where New Mexico United stands as far as the group um, and standings there and where we need, what we need to do to make the playoffs after these four matches for sure. Yeah, we definitely will. Um, and we, I might actually try to do some uh, projections as far as the, uh, the standings go, what playoff predictions might actually be. Uh, if I have the time, I'll try to do that. And you know, looking at the schedule, like you mentioned, you know, you got two and two in Colorado, two in Salt Lake City. Well, Sandy, Utah, I should say, where the uh, where Salt Lake <laughs> or Real plays. It's about a nine-hour drive between the two places. So maybe they can, maybe United can just stay in Fort Collins for like a month and uh, cut that driving time down a little bit. But uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it, it's gonna be very telling. And then um, if we can come out of these next four matches with say, I don't know. Uh, you know, seven to nine points. 
heading yeah. into El Paso. Yeah, I think so. I think I think, um, uh, I think you're yeah, probably looking at a loss. A, it's a huge um, somewhere huge in there. there. Um, and then if you can get two wins and a draw, uh, like you said, that'd be seven points. That that would be that would be uh, that'd be good. That'd be good. Uh, of course, points in every match would be great. Uh, one loss would be good. Anything more than that, loss wise, uh, would be would be in trouble a little bit. So it's gonna be a a, a very tough stretch here. So just in case we don't uh, record next Tuesday and we have to do Wednesday again, uh, just because of fatherhood and life. Um, let's talk about the next two matches just a little bit here. Uh, first, we kind of basically touched on Colorado Springs. Do you have a, a guess there or a prediction or anything like that there for that one? 3-1 Colorado Springs. Interesting. 3-1. 3-1 us. No, 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 no. You know, yeah, no, it's just, like I said, I, Colorado's improved. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, new head coach, a lot of new signings. Yeah. They're playing a lot better than they did last season. I just don't see it happening, at least not this weekend. Maybe the 29th, we can see something you know, in, the, in that long stretch uh, or a stretch of a whole bunch of matches all run together. Maybe there we can see it. Um, I, personally, I'm just kind of hoping that over this next uh, stretch of games uh, that United can can have a much better form in August than we did last year. You know, last year we didn't win at all in the month of August. So we've already beat OKC. So we're we're better there. We got one win in August so far. Uh, I mean, we we went 0-3 and 2 in August last year. We have losses to uh, Portland, San Antonio, and Orange County. Now, yeah, it's I, I really hope that we can come back from this i really think you know seven seven to nine points from the next these next four matches um possibly that a loss there on the 29th or maybe a loss in one of the the real matches um i think is where that's going to happen i think real i think it may be real a draw and a loss but i agree um, and um, i think you know even if like i said seven to nine points I, out of this uh four match stretch i, I think will it's go two nil the club. uh united um Coming up on Saturday against the Switchbacks, I think that uh, the defensive back line and and Cody kind of show themselves off or show themselves show us that they are that Phoenix was just a fluke. It was just Phoenix, and Phoenix is a great offensive team, and that's what that was. And it wasn't necessarily something to be concerned about. So I think they bounce back, get us another clean sheet, um, another shutout. And uh, we move on to Real Monarchs uh, after two nil win against Colorado Springs Switchbacks. All right, that sounds good to me. I mean, you know, it's all going to come down to the play on the pitch. Um, you know, the guys have to execute. Troy's got to make sure he's got his subs and his lineups right. And I mean, again, very winnable stretch of matches coming up. I mean, really from here to the end of the season, anything can happen. Uh, we're obviously, of course, rooting for United wins. We're hoping that United can yeah, come I'm back really in September and play here at uh, UNM Soccer Complex, I'm assuming still at that point. Um, 
play there and hopefully we can get out to some matches for you guys get some uh get some live uh reactions to, to, to the matches maybe talk to troy a little bit um i'm gonna try to reach out to the club see if we can't at least get tyler ortega on here in the next couple weeks maybe um you know maybe maybe peter or something i don't know we'll figure that out but uh the club has been very tight-lipped um and in case you guys didn't see it after our last show last week yeah, troy did an interview um with i think a newspaper out of santa fe i could be wrong i don't have the article up in front of me he basically said that justin schmidt had surgery on his foot um you know you guys that we've talked about before, you know the club has been very tight-lipped uh about injuries and other things surrounding it uh so to hear that from troy like just come right out and say it i mean you know last I'm season we didn't even know that josh goss was I'm not gonna lie i think i just found that, that out right now the injury <laughs> For, for some time. Goss, yeah. um, I don't think I ever caught so for Troy to come I don't think out I ever caught that, that last year. Yeah. Oh, about, about Goss? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they never said anything about it. He just, he, he was never on the team sheet. He, he wasn't, so he wasn't on the injury report. Um, and so, yeah, Goss had a season-ending injury last year. Um, you know, we, we, we saw him around the park a few times, but yeah, it's he was just done and so that that may be part of why he's not playing anywhere this year but um or maybe he's just trying to uh, maybe that's someone we can try to reach out to and get on the show but um yeah it's just been you know so much going on i mean the club is busy 24 7 basically i mean they had the the 505 no, I, you, you know, know if, if we still lived in las lunas i probably would have um, would have gone but go um, i didn't get to it so a little bit too far of a drive for me now so so i did not um but we'll see. Yeah. 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 5.05 a.m. on a Saturday morning. That's sleep time. Like, <laughs> we get so little sleep during during our nights as is, you know, with a five-year-old. So, yeah, 5.05 a.m. is definitely a sleep time for us. So, um, yeah, it's just a lot going on. Like, we're going to we're gonna try to keep bringing you guys content. We're hoping United comes back. Uh, here in a couple of weeks to town. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just everything. Just wait and see. You know, we'll find out. We'll have written previews out later this week. Um, we'll have. Uh, we'll actually, you know what? Next week, what we might do, if I can maybe get my kids to you know, either to bed early enough next Wednesday, yeah, or if I can cool. keep them up until my wife gets home, maybe we can live cast the game. We'll do the podcast live while watching the game next Wednesday. I don't know. Maybe it's something. That'd be a little bit earlier time for us, you know, yeah. since it is at eight o'clock. But um, maybe that's something we can do. I don't know. We'll have to talk about it. Talk to our wives. Make sure. Yeah, that, that works. Uh, sure that I was going to talk about that. the Monarchs match so, a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I also I, I think that, I think that might be it. For I'm tonight. confident we'll record uh, Tuesday night, like we're supposed to, or we'll try to figure out something where we can record during the match on Wednesday. So, so I'm good with that. Um, tough loss uh like we talked about against phoenix but you win some and you lose some and phoenix is a good club so losing to them uh is really nothing to hang your hat on even if it was a little a little bit of a downer compared to the okc win uh but like we talked about we control our fate for group c with all but one of our matches coming up against group c opponents so um hoping to see them bounce back again saturday uh, remember, you can catch that match on KOAT Channel 7 um, throughout the state and and not have to worry about ESPN Plus or 
going out to a bar to watch party or anything like that, which I know we don't have right now, but still. Um, so it will be available. So if you haven't had it, if you don't have ESPN Plus and you haven't watched any New Mexico United this year, uh, definitely set your set an alarm for that day and, and that time and, and get over there at 3 o'clock on Saturday to watch them hopefully win uh, by two goals against Colorado Springs. Um, Seth kind of touched on next week. Uh, we'll be back hopefully Tuesday, maybe Wednesday for some live stuff during the match. Um, so until then, you know, catch us on so or on social media. Uh, we've got Twitter. Uh, we've got a Somos Inos News Twitter and a Suncast Twitter. Uh, we've got a Somos Inos News Facebook page. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find Seth on Twitter. Um, you can email us, jacob at dadventuresmedia.com or seth at dadventuresmedia.com. Uh, or just reach out to us on on social media there, or some of you out there have my phone number uh, and Seth's phone number. So just reach out to us. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, uh, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes if that's what you listen on. Uh, it helps us out uh, just in kind of getting our name out there a little bit more and also just letting us know uh, how you feel about the podcast. So Let's go this week against Colorado Springs, and uh, we'll be back next week uh, to talk about that match and preview the upcoming Real Monarchs uh, set on Wednesday and Saturday of next week. So until then, have a good weekend. listening to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff2 on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.